everyone. I'm Tara. Welcome to God Talk with Tara. Um, we're going to kick off with prayer as always and dive into tonight a little bit early. Lord, thank you so much for your promises. Thank you for your faithfulness, Father God. Thank you that on dark days and in difficult times, you are present, you are with us, that you whisper over us, Lord God, that you speak into our lives and into our hearts and into our minds, Father, so that we will know your presence even when we feel mm, weary and pressed down. Father God, I pray that you would pour yourself out upon your people tonight. I pray that you would bring new life to those who are wilting under the pressures of the things going on around them. I pray that you would breathe energy and grace and mercy and peace, Father, upon your people. I pray that you would fill them, Lord, with the certainty of your presence, the knowledge of your love. And Father, I pray that you would plant us on the rock of your son, that you would plant us, Lord God, in the firmness of your faithfulness and the foundation of your love and grace toward us. Father, I pray for your people tonight. I pray that you would open ears to hear the words you have to say. And Father, I pray that you would make me small tonight. I pray that you would take me right out of the way of whatever it is you need said tonight. I pray that your words would pour through. I pray, Lord, not just tonight for this. I pray that every day that you would do that, that I would decrease so that Jesus might increase that you would make me small, Lord God, that you would open my ears to hear your words and open my mouth to speak them to whoever needs to hear them. And Father, I pray that you would open ears to hear your words, not mine, that you would open minds to see the visions that you have for them, Lord God. I pray that you would make ways where there are none and that you would pour through us the living water of your Son and of your Spirit. I thank you, Father, for that. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your word. And I ask tonight in Jesus' name and by your spirit and all for your honor and glory, Lord. Amen. So it's been a long day today. I'd have to say it's actually probably been a long few weeks. And it's a little strange to think of that because it's been a really fantastic couple of weeks in a lot of ways. There was in Asbury, and then there was a beautiful visit with one of my sons last week. My uh, my other sons is coming in next week. Um, and so it's really, it's really been a lot of busy, but it's all been good busy. Except today was not good busy. Um, and yet it was. And, and I guess that's where I kind of need to, to begin tonight is Corey and I were having a conversation early, earlier today because when I picked him up from work, his day had gone sideways. Um, they've made some changes at his job, particularly to scheduling that has caused a lot of turmoil and it was sort of last minute and without warning. Um, there's been a lot of discontent over some things anyhow because they are short-staffed. And so this, this change in hours that is going to really impact a couple of his very good friends there as well as himself was a frustration today. And because all of these changes were being kind of pushed today, it made for a very tumultuous day at work for him. Um, and so 
there was that. And when I picked him up, he was already distressed and, and disgruntled and unhappy. Um, and normally that's not a completely difficult thing for us to deal with because it's very rare that both of us are in that state at the same time. Um, but today <laughs> it so happened that I picked him up after a day of meetings that were unexpected. Um, I had a meeting set up this morning to explore some options on how I might help my new church. And that turned into a lot of news and um, unexpected things that are going on. And suddenly there is crisis and there is fear and anger and frustration. And the Lord sent me into the middle of that with, with things to say and options to offer. Um, but it was rough waters and it will continue to be rough waters. And I know that. And, and so there is this, this sense that we're heading into a storm. There's a sense that, that in, on many fronts, we're heading into a storm and, and things are going to get more pressing before they get better. And that's okay with me. Um, that's sort of what I'm built for. Every now and again, though, you you just sort of get a little tired and worn out with that. And so when my worn out ran into Corey's worn out, I was just tired. And when we finally got home and um, we went for ice cream because I'm not eating starches and ice cream doesn't count as starches. Uh, and it didn't help. So when we finally got home... We were talking and I recentered because that is how I handle stuff like that. I, God is gracious and he is good. And so as Corey and I were conversing while he was getting changed and I was getting ready to go get dinner, um, he says to me, I had told him that God was on his throne and that he is good and he has a plan and everything would turn out as he as he purposes it to be and that I was okay with that. And he commented under his breath that I would say that if he, if his leg fell off and the house burned down. <laughs> um, and I stopped for a minute and I came back and I asked him to repeat that. And I thought about that for a second. And I was like, yes, I would say that if your leg fell off and the house burned down, although I am praying that neither of those things happen. Um, because the truth is, I believe that in all circumstances. And scripture gives me reason to believe that, but so does my life. I went back to him and I, I pointed out to him that I do believe that, that God is on his throne and that matter what it looks like in the moment, no matter the stresses and the strains and the difficulties and, and the obstacles, I believe that the Lord will carry us through these things. I believe that the Lord is able. I believe that he has a plan and I believe that he's sovereign. I believe that no matter what it looks like, whatever I am facing, that the Lord has a plan and a purpose for the circumstances of my life and he will use them. And in one way or another, it will be for my good, his glory, 
and others gain. That there will be a transformation of my circumstances, no matter how difficult they are, if I will put them in the hands of the Lord. And I went back to Corey and I told him it's a very good thing that I would say that if his leg fell off and the house burned down, because it is that certainty that has carried us for a lot of years. It is that certainty that carried us through financial difficulties that led to a car being repossessed and our credit being completely jacked for years and years. It is that certainty that led to me being able to work from home and take care of the kids and take care of Corey when he was sick for years without knowing what it was that was wrong with him and if he would ever get better or if he was going to die. It was that certainty that allowed me to calmly be able to deal with him having a heart attack in the front yard and, and taking him to the hospital and walking with him through all of that and surgery and, and recovery and not, not lose heart and not lose hope and not have the people in our lives lose heart and hope. My children did not lose heart and hope because the Lord has granted me and gifted me with his faith. And I want, I want to say that really clearly right now, because it can sound like bragging when I sit there and say, oh, I am able to stand there in the middle of all of these things and say, you know, it's not a big deal because Jesus is on the throne. That's not it. Faith is a, a gift that God gives us. And it sometimes is a very small gift that, you know, we just, my faith is sometimes anemic. Most of the time it's not. Most of the time it has a supernatural bent to it because the, the Holy Spirit in me is driving that faith. The Holy Spirit in me can actually sometimes make me seem irrationally faithful to where I know that God is going to move in certain situations that look absolutely and utterly hopeless where I'm sitting where I'm sitting and people will look at me like I'm a little bit crazy. That's okay. I don't care. I would rather walk in the faith of, of the spirit in me and the certainty that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I would rather walk in the certainty that God is who he says he is and that he has plans and promises and purposes and that he has called me and he has placed me in the places that I am in, that he puts me there for his purposes and that no matter what it is that I am facing, he will never leave me or forsake me, that he has never placed me in a, in a position that he will not go with me into the things he has called me to do. These things are our faith that isn't dependent on me. That faith does not depend on my belief. To some degree, it is deeply reinforced by the Lord who has proven himself faithful over and over and over again. But the faith itself is not dependent on my memory of what God has done. It is not dependent on myself and my beliefs. It's not dependent. It comes from the spirit dwelling in me. It comes from the spirit bringing to mind the things that I need to know in a given moment. The spirit reminding me of God's truth. He does this. And this is what allows for God's people to walk in hardship and persecution and difficulty 
without faltering and without failing. And so this is where I am today. Today, God has brought me to a couple of points in scripture that we're going to kind of look at real quick. Um, and we're going to talk about a little bit. So the first of those points that he, he brought me to was, mm, let's see. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So Paul is talking here to the Corinthians and, and talking about the affliction that he is going through at that point in time. Um, I haven't brushed up on, on where in the timeline 2 Corinthians is and where he was when he wrote this, but it doesn't really matter because pretty much from the time Paul had his conversion moment on the road to Damascus, when the Lord Jesus Christ came and opened his eyes to the fact that he was the Messiah that Paul had been learning about and searching for his whole life. From that moment forward, Paul was a marked man. He had a, a target on his back and it, for a long time, everybody wanted wanted to take him out because the Jews who had turned to Christianity and who were Christians didn't trust him because he'd been trying to kill him. And the Jews who hadn't turned to Christianity wanted to kill him because he was blaspheming and he had been one of their greatest proponents and now suddenly he wasn't. Um, you had one faction of the Christian Jews that wanted him ousted because they were preaching circumcision and he was preaching against them. And that same group also was really kind of not happy about the fact that he was preaching to the Gentiles and telling the Gentiles that they didn't need to be Jews first, that they could just follow Jesus. And so Paul really was sort of set on by everybody. And he went places and, and people rioted because of the things he was saying. And so he would get thrown in jail or he would get stoned or he would get thrown off the wall or he would get he would get arrested and thrown in prison um there's never a point in time really in paul's ministry where he is not finding himself in a situation where he is under pressure and so when we look at what paul is saying here paul is speaking this from a position of being deeply under pressure of being persecuted of being crushed of being afflicted of being stoned of being beaten of being thrown in jail of being um, held prisoner of being hunted this is the paul that says to you we're not struck we're not destroyed that we're going to go out and we're going to proclaim we're going to proclaim jesus christ we're going to tell people so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So that was one of the verses that, that came as I was pondering the events of the day and as I was looking to encourage those who were struggling with the things going on, um, far more than I am, 
and um, the next one that came to mind was actually pretty famous. Um, we've got Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. He says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And I'm going to go through the whole Beatitudes because I love the Beatitudes and I think there's reason for us to do that. But I want you to start paying close attention when we get down to the end of this. Um, he says, and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Oh, sorry, I skipped one. <laughs> blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So I had mentioned that our church is disaffiliating um, in the Methodist church and there was news the last few days that has accelerated our need to figure out next steps. And yet we are still bound in a not knowing phase. And so there is distress and there is concern and the Lord has put me here to help. And it's hard to do that because I, I still feel like an outsider in this space. I've not been here long enough to, to be in position to, to be in position, to be fully helpful. There are things I know, there are things the Lord says, there are things that I know about the systems and the processes that would be of so much value. And yet the reality is, is I am not in that space. There are others in that space and I don't know how to help them. All I know how to do is to offer what I know and to pray for them. And that is, and that is the truth. But the other part of it is that I do need to pray for them. And more than that, I need to call them to prayer. I need to call them to step out of the, the inward turn that I can see happening. Um, and I don't have the authority to speak that in this space. And I don't know what to do with that. It is a, it is a hard thing when the Lord places you somewhere and gives you something that must be spoken. And it's not, it's not even that it's, oh, I think I should say these things. It is the, the overwhelming lips burning need to open my mouth or I will explode sense that the Lord has something that must be said. And that pressure of that has been building for a couple of weeks since this all started. And I have been slowly moving toward what he needs me to do. I've been taking it step at a time. And then today, all of a sudden, I found myself in a position where it was bouncing from one to the next to the next with no time to, to check what I needed to say, just to open my mouth and speak and not the amount of preparation I would normally have for that. 
And so it has been a day of rocky communication for me. I'm usually a lot smoother <laughs> um, in communicating in ways that are, are not going to poke a hornet's nest. Um, and it was difficult because though I still feel oftentimes outside in this space, I have come to love the people that the Lord has placed me with. I do. I love the people that he has given me to work beside, to labor with, um, for his kingdom. And if for no other reason that they are fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but on, you know, on another level, I genuinely like them. Uh, and, and I am genuinely desiring for them to be blessed and to be uplifted and to see them pressed and to see them discouraged and tired makes my heart hurt. Um, and at the same time, I need to speak that they need to lift up their head that they need to be reminded that the Lord is with them and that he walks with them and that there is nothing in this that he did not expect, that they can have confidence in the promises that he has given them. And he has given them promises. I can hear it in the things that I listen and they say, and I'm, I'm like, yes, that is from the Lord, that he is saying that to you because I'm hearing that as well. And so it's, there's promises that has been given. There are promises that is, that, that have been given in this space that the Lord has a plan and a purpose and he's moving in all of this. And so as I'm thinking tonight, I came home and I just wanted to cry because it's sometimes you come to the end of it. Sometimes you've said all you can say and all you can think is it's not enough, that it wasn't enough, that I have not said enough, that I have not done enough, that even if you know there is nothing else you could do. And then on top of that, my brain was full and distracted, which means today. And not only did I spend a lot more time doing something not homework related <laughs> than I intended to do, my brain was full of those things and not able to concentrate tonight. So on top of the pressing of that, I feel pressed um, with the knowledge that I have a lot to do before midnight tomorrow or Friday night. And I don't know that I actually have enough hours to get it done. Um, and that is a a frustrating feeling because there is nothing that has come into my schedule over these last couple of weeks that I have an overwhelming sense that the Lord did not put there. Even the moments where it seemed like time wasting, which I don't do that much of that when I'm in school, but every now and again, you just, I just unwind my brain. Um, but that's also necessary for things to settle and move around. So it, it's just been that kind of a a day. Um, and after I had that sense of, you know, blessed are the peacemakers and that, that feeling of blessing from all of that, God was like, you have to move past that. You have to move the, we're crushed, but not, you know, not destroyed because that's not where you need to stay. You don't need to stay in, in the space of the Psalms crying out how long, O Lord, and, and how long will my enemies triumph over me? And, and the lamenting Psalms that so oftentimes come into our minds when we're struggling and have a hard time. God is like, that is not where you're supposed to be because that's not who you are. 
And that's not what your, your friends need. That's not what my people need. My people need you to move past that so that they can see what it looks like when you are standing in the reality and the, and the belief that I am going to uphold you. When you stand in the belief that God is going to uphold you, what does that look like? And so then he brings me to these other beautiful passages, and I'm going to hit the one in James first, and then we're going to jump to Philippians. So in James 1, he opens his letter um, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Now, when you think about the 12 tribes in the dispersion, what you have to understand is at this point in time, James is writing to um, the scattered Jews. He's writing to his fellow Christians that have had to run from Jerusalem after Stephen was stoned and the first martyr happened, persecutions began and the church scattered out of Jerusalem um, and carried Christianity all across the, the region in that process. Our churches, in case you didn't know that in history, churches grow through persecution. Um, and you see that beginning in Acts. You see as they're growing in Jerusalem and they're starting to get the attention of the authorities and they're starting to be more and more conflict between Christian, the Christian teaching and the Jews and the Romans. Stephen ends up martyred and there is a scattering of the sheep. And you see that in Paul's journeys where he's chased out of one town and brought to the next. And you see this all across the history of Christianity is that as persecution comes, um, the people are strengthened and then they carry the gospel out. So Peter and James get arrested, thrown in jail and beaten and then sent back out. That's persecution. And the result of that is they pray and the Holy Spirit falls on them again and they go back out preaching some more. Where um, Peter gets arrested and the angel comes and walks him out of the prison and they lower him over the wall and he goes off and carries the gospel someplace else. So persecution is not something as Christians that we are supposed to get down in our, our feels about. And it's natural for us to be sad. It's natural for us to be angry and hurt and upset. And that's where we want to live when things happen, where we feel attacked, especially when we feel attacked by other Christians. But that's not what James says here in this letter. And it's not what we're going to see in a minute, what Paul says. So James says, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So this kind of brings me back to this. The reason this came up was the comments that Corey had made to me. Count it all joy. When, meet, when you meet trials of various kinds. So I have met a lot of trials of various kinds in my life. And because of that, 
I can have a bad day like today. I can be sad for my friends. I can be sad for the situation and I can still look at it and be joyful in the presence of the Lord and be excited about what he is going to do out of this. I can still look at the circumstance and say, God is sovereign and he is on his throne and his will will be done and it will be glorious. And I can mean that even if Corey's leg falls off and the house burns down. But the reason I'm able to do that is because I have been through trials of various kinds and it has tested my faith. And in that testing, the Lord stretches our faith. He makes us more able to contain the supernatural faith of the Holy Spirit as he tests us through trials and stretches us and makes it so that we are more able, that we are more able. We talked about that with the wineskin, that the Holy Spirit conditions us. He remakes us. He makes us new so that we are able to contain him. God's goal is not simply that we would know him, but that we would dwell with him in us. And in order for that to happen, he has to strengthen us so that we can withstand the presence of the almighty God in us. And so when we go through trials, when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, we count it all joy. Now, I have to say that is very counterintuitive. It's not what we normally would look at. And we're going to look at why we are able to do that in a minute. But right now, I'm going to go over to Philippians because it's not just James. And I find it kind of funny that it's James and Paul we're talking about because they're always the ones that everybody is always saying or always arguing with each other about faith and works. The reality is James and Paul are pretty well on the same page for most of these things. Um, so... One of the things I love about seminary is when they are teaching you hermeneutics, and that, that's a very big word for interpretation of scripture. When they are teaching you hermeneutics, when they are teaching you sermon preparation and preaching, when they are teaching you research, one of the things they do is they have you break down passages of scripture for better understanding. You research them in a way to develop them into a sermon. And there are step-by-step -step processes that for some of these, it takes eight weeks that you're looking at these, these passages. Um, and I would encourage you, if you are not a pastor and you're not going to go to seminary, um, that you would still find a research method that you do this with your scripture, that you take it and you you break it down and you line it up with the important words and phrases and and you research the words that jump out at you and, and you do this process. And the reason for that is it gives you a deep understanding of passages of scripture that will stick with you so that when you need the story of God in your heart, when something goes sideways, it's there. And it's there in a way that is relatable to what's happening. More importantly, when somebody else needs that, you have it to offer. And this is one of those passages. So one of the passages I had to do was in First Philippians or Philippians 1. Um, and this is where Paul is in jail in this book. And he sits there and he is talking to um, the Philippians about what is going on and that there are actually people who are preaching Christ to try to extend his imprisonment. 
And he's asking them for their prayers for him to be bold and continue to speak the word of God without fear. Um, and he is telling them how amazing it is that the Lord has used this time of him being in jail for him to actually have the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ infiltrate into the Roman garrison there that is, is keeping him prisoner. And so when he gets to talking about the others who are preaching Christ out of selfish ambition, his response to this is only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, Paul is sitting here looking at the possibility of being killed for his faith. And this is his response. I will rejoice. I will rejoice in what is going on. I will rejoice in the fact that Christ is being proclaimed. Now, later in this same letter, you get a couple. So into Philippians 4, that was Philippian ones. We see this again where he is entreating those who are arguing and reminding them that they love one another, that they've been working beside one another, that they have, have labored for the gospel together with him. And he asks them to set aside their differences um, and agree with one another in the Lord. And he again enjoins them, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says rejoice again a little bit further down. The reality is, is that this whole letter is filled with that word, rejoice, that concept of rejoicing. Paul, as he sits in a Roman prison, waiting to find out whether or not he's going to die, is writing to this church that is beginning to undergo persecution, that is beginning to experience pressure, that is beginning to seriously have problems, and that has been being harassed by those who are trying to undermine Paul's teachings. And his response to them is rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in Jesus Christ, give thanks for all that God has done. Focus on rejoicing in the Lord and coming to him with thanksgiving. And that the result of that will be the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding and that that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So that's what comes from. That's what comes from that. You get, you get the blessing of God's peace when you find the joy of the Lord. These are things that flow from the love of God in us. And they are a reflection of, of the Galatians passage that speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. 
That is God's love and his joy and his peace. And as we exercise those fruit of the spirit that he puts in us, as we exercise the growth of the spirit within us that bears that fruit in us, as we participate in the fruit of the spirit in us, we reinforce that. But as importantly, what you're seeing here is Paul encouraging his brothers and sisters in Christ. This letter to the Philippians is an encouragement. He writes it to them and describes what is going on with him. He goes and he describes the struggle that he is having. He describes the fact that he is in this prison and that he is being persecuted by not only the Romans, but by other Christians, that he is struggling. And yet his response in that, his, his answer to that is rejoice so that, so that they can imitate him, so that they can see what it looks like to stand in the promise of God that he will not leave you, he will not forsake you, that he is with you, that it's in his hands and that you can trust what he is going to do. Whether you live or die, it really doesn't matter because God is present with you. He will fulfill his purposes and whether you live or die is gain. You are serving the Lord and he will uphold you with his mighty right hand. He will watch over you. He will carry you. He will be your light and your life and your love and your peace. And no matter what happens in the world around you, Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is the thing when, when you are called into a position when you are called into a position where others are struggling and when they're hurting, when they're overwhelmed and when they're tired and they're weary and they've been in battle and they are just torn. It's important for you to remember to rejoice always. To rejoice in your trials and your afflictions. To rejoice and to give thanks and to not be anxious because your faith is contagious. We talked about contagion last night, right? Your faith is contagious. When you are able to remember, and God does this, he reminds you, the Holy Spirit in you reminds you of all the times when God has been faithful. He brings to mind the scriptures that tell us of God's faithfulness throughout all of history. And then he brings to mind the times when he has been faithful in your life and in my life. And as he does, we are able to provide encouragement by our example. We are able to speak Jesus to people who are hurting and falling and are shaking a little in their faith. Not because there's anything wrong with them and not because their faith is small or weak, but simply because they've hit the wall. We all do sometimes. That's why God puts us in families. We all hit the wall. Sometimes we need encouragement. So today has been a day of pressing. It's also been a day 
were the other reason I, I actually rejoice in my trials comes about. In our trials, we can be certain of one thing. We will see the face of God. As we are walking through our trials, as we are being pressed, as we are being refined and the, the Lord is purifying our hearts with these things that we go through, we will see God. And that's all I ever really want to do. If I'm honest, my deep down is I just want to be in the presence of the Lord. He is my all in all. I want to see him and I want to know he's there. And he is most visible. His light shines brightest against the darkest things. So I will rejoice today with my brothers and sisters. I will rejoice in various kinds of trials. And I will be at peace with the love of God in me. And I will pray that he will pour that out on everybody around me so that they will be strengthened and they can rejoice too. Father God, I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the trials, Lord God. I thank you for the trials that come because they remind us, Lord God, that you are moving. Even in the darkness, in the darkest of places, that you are moving. More than that, Lord God, when we are facing trials, we know that you have brought us to the places where you need us to be so that your kingdom can come. So I pray, Father, today that you would move your kingdom through us, that you would move your kingdom through me and through the folks of my church. I pray that you would move your kingdom through those who are listening, and I pray that your glory would fall. I pray that your glory would be revealed in your people. That everything we do, Father God, in the face of our trials and our difficulties would be a strengthening of our faith and we would shout hallelujah, Lord God, and we would let go of our desire to control it and instead just point to you. And that we would stand, Father God, eyes fixed and praising so that the world scratches its head. But all those you are calling will come. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your people. We ask all this tonight in Jesus' name and by your spirit. And all for your honor and glory. Amen. Be blessed and be a blessing.